PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. All right, welcome back to another EM board bombs. We're just doing this as a cold open here. Uh, Blake and Marlene are just still getting set up. Uh, we're back with the trio that was originally together at ASAP. It's good to see you guys. Good to be here. Lovely to see your faces. Oh, look at that. I mean, it's a cold open and you guys set up your mics already. Uh, you know, for every uh, 10 to 15 minute episode, we like to drop high yield board knowledge. Also have some fun as well. You can find us at emboardbombs.com, but you can also find our premium podcast, emrapidbombs.supercast.com. That's where we drop three to five minute long episodes. Hey, we're about to drop our 300th episode there, Blake. Pretty fun, huh? Yep. Don't just study for the test. Study for life as well. That's EM Rapid Bombs. Hashtag life pearls. Boom. Can't believe that. We're going to essentially have almost 500 episodes of total content with EM Board Bombs and EM Rapid Bombs uh, coming up here within the next few months. That is pretty intense. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's so intense we decided to cover today's topic as an it intense is. topic. It uh, is. Today's topic is an intense topic. It's a bit of a painful topic. It's one of those topics that makes you wash your hands a lot. And um, it's a topic that's somewhat related to uh, recent travels that I had. <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> what, were you, on, were you on clindamycin in your travels? No, I, you know, I just got back uh, from Bali. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. place, but there were a couple folks in our trip that uh, went down with uh, some diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, somewhat related to the topic that we have today, not fully related to it, but there were some diarrheal episodes there. It's always interesting, um, you know, being the only. There were a couple other doctors there, but as I was referenced to by one of the other doctors, one of my good friends who's a radiologist, somebody came to him and said, we need a doctor during one of the events. And he was like, I need to find a real doctor. So he came and grabbed me. Uh, That's not a joke. Uh, That actually happened uh, during one of the (laughs) events. It also happened in route. I don't think I've ever responded to so many medical emergencies. I had a, a, the flight was taking off. you know, we were flying out to JFK, and all of a sudden, uh, the passenger behind me started having a seizure. And, um, you know, we had to slow down the plane and kind of pull off the ramp. And this was right when it was about to take off. And EMS arrived, you know, kind of managed it. It, it wasn't that big of a deal, uh, you know, helped the person out, all that stuff. And EMS, when you know, I was kind of giving them updates and whatnot. They took me aside and they said, hey, sorry, I just have to ask you a quick question. What type of a doctor are you? I said, oh, uh, emergency medicine. And they started laughing. They're like, oh, thank, thank God. God. Okay, great. I can, they're like, I can trust what you say. <laughs> they're like, I'm just glad you're not a blank. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the type of uh, doctor they referenced um, just because I don't want to offend people. And we That's are. It's going to be off air. That's yeah, off air. That'll be off air content. And we're what we call or well yeah. listened to, yes. I'll say, yes. podcast now. So we can't mention that. But, anyways, let's be, it, let's be honest, though. Let's be honest, though. I don't think those type of doctors are listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I also don't think, I don't think a radiologist or whoever it might be would be offended <laughs> about. Yeah. And Marlena, Marlena just doesn't care, so she's going to start naming off doctors. So <laughs> yeah, so radi- I feel like radiologists totally 
cool because they, they get it to themselves right they, there there are a couple others that i think think they know a little bit more than they might just because they might know something about their particular subspecialty or particular organ or think their organ somehow you know it's funny it's funny because as you started telling that story i had to double check and make sure that that wasn't actually the script in the question because i felt like you were setting yourself up for a multiple choice question for a second there that's so funny i should have for each 15 minute episode though we should say that i did say for that each i said that at the beginning minute episode oh i miss it then <laughs> are you even listening oh my gosh hey did you know that diarrhea did you know that diarrhea is hereditary what it runs in your genes. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's terrible, but honestly, that's pretty good. I really like that. I really like that. Like, hey, a 73-year-old male arrived to your ED with acute onset diarrhea. He was recently traveling to Bali and states that he noticed a rash on his arm and he thought it was an infection. Since antibiotics are essentially over-the-counter there, he figured Augmentin would work and purchased this independently after doing some Google searches and thinking that he had cellulitis. He took the antibiotics for two weeks and subsequently developed diarrhea and lower abdominal cramping. He was admitted to the hospital two months prior as well, but this was for a GI bleed. On arrival here, he is hypotensive and tachycardic. IV fluids are started. Which of the following is the best first-line treatment? Is it A, IV, flagell, B, oral, fidaxomycin? What is this? What, fidaxomycin? What is that? I knew this was not going to go well when you decided to defer to the brand name of metronidazole. Yeah, flagell. of course not. I'm on the spot, man. You know I don't pronounce let me, these let me, right. Let me read these. Let me read these. Choice A. IV metronidazole, choice B, oral fidaxomycin, choice C, oral vancomycin, choice D, oral vancomycin and fidaxomycin. Marlena, what's the correct answer? The correct answer here is choice C, which was oral vancomycin. That is correct. That is very correct. Boom, boom, boom. What are we talking about here, Dr. We're Riggs? talking about Clostridium difficile. C. diff. C. diff. Hope you brought your rain boots. Oh. Splish, oh, splash. A lot of these jokes, aren't there? Splish, splash. You know, I have a lot of facts about diarrhea. Ten facts, actually, about diarrhea. Um, but we're going to talk specifically about number two. <laughs> oh, it's just going to keep going. I'm going to roll today. So C. diff <laughs> is the well-known bug that causes antibiotic-associated colitis. It's essentially a squatter. You read about this in the news. People that sell their house and then people live in the house, that kind of thing, and they don't pay rent. Oh, <laughs> stop it. C. diff that does that. It takes advantage of altered gut flora from antimicrobials, and it moves into the intestines. And the colonization of the intestinal tract occurs via the fecal-oral route. It's an anaerobic, Ew. get ready for this, it's a mouthful, anaerobic, gram-positive, spore-forming, toxin-producing, bad boy. It's a scary bug. It was actually named difficult clostridium when it was discovered in the 1930s because of the difficulty related to isolating it and growing it on conventional media. Hmm. 
and it can exist in spore and vegetative forms. Anyway, outside of the colon, it, it's pretty hardy, and that's why it spreads really well. It survives in the spore form, and they're resistant basically to everything. Heat, acid, antibiotics. I also heard they're resistant to nuclear attack and direct hits from meteorites. It's like a, the cockroach. So it's kind of like Bermuda grass. The cockroach of diarrhea. Cockroach, Bermuda grass. Yeah, it's like a cockroach, Bermuda grass. That, yeah, it's very resistant. So here's the crazy stats. In 2011, that's the most recent measurements I got here, about half a million initial cases of Clostridium difficile infection occurred in the U.S. That's a lot. Mm. And there were also about 83,000 recurrences. And then about 30,000 people died, Mm. which is a big number here. And the carriage of this, you know, carrier rates of C. diff occur in about 10% of adults living in hospitals or long care, long-term care facilities. And among healthy adults, it's like unheard of. It's like 3%, not, not that common. Yeah. So you can imagine, you can take this bug and culture it from like anywhere in the hospital. So think about that when you're checking in. And I learned from my program director very early on to, uh, even before COVID, to take a bunch of Santa cloths and basically bathe your computer station in Santa cloths. And yeah, he still does that, by the way. He, yeah, he was a, he's a smart man. I, I now does. do it. I do that. I think every I think yeah. everyone of my yeah. like emergency medicine training generation does that because we all started during COVID. Yeah, well, this guy, this this gentleman was doing this before. At, yeah, before hipster and, hipster um, sanitizing before it was cool. Well, we, let's be honest here. Not to get even more uh, gross, but Iltafat, you're not going to test this. Who was wearing a mask when we intubated before COVID? Which is crazy to think about. Which is crazy to think about. Honestly, People, that is nuts, isn't it? it, is it, it isn't that weird to think, even say that? It's gross. <laughs> right. It's like we were literally what right in front of the patient's like airway. <laughs> Just intubating without a mask. Back anyway. in the day. Uh, anyway. All right. Here, here, let's keep going here, though. So in general, a lot of people are catching C. diff. Rates are increasing due to nosocomial infections, antibiotic overusage. Uh, Marlena, tell us more about the risk factors for people with C. diff. What's going on here? Let her do the front end. I'll do the back end. (laughs) The back end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so like our question stem mentioned, I think the most widely recognized risk factor is antibiotics, which is modifiable. Um, But there's other risk factors that we can't really change, like advanced age, being hospitalized, and severe comorbid illnesses. Another interesting risk factor is proton pump inhibitors, which a lot of people are on now. That's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So the way that antibiotics actually promote C. diff is by disrupting the barrier function of your normal flora in the gut, and that allows C. diff to create its own little space. Um, and they also allow for more virulent strains of C. diff, and those are the ones that are resistant to antibiotics, and those outgrow the other, the other strains. So while any antibiotic is a risk, the one that they test you on the most often is fluoroquinolones, clindamycin, and then the broad-spectrum penicillins and cephalosporins. Yeah, it's always the board question just always seems to be around augmentin or amoxicillin. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like it's always the one. Maybe and clindamycin. clindamycin. Yeah, clindamycin is the other one. Those are the ones that they seem to really focus on. Mm-hmm. That would that would be like the the giant antibiotics you're thinking of, the big names for sure. But it, again, remember, it's just any antibiotic. 
Um, speaking of which, did you hear about the giant with diarrhea? No. Oh, no. What is this? What? Oh, it's all over town. <laughs> <laughs> but touch. You should have like a special intro for some of these jokes. You know, please do the the drum roll. Please do the drum roll on these. Yeah, we'll get we'll get our audio guy on it. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Randy, get, is his, Randy is his name. Rand, I thought it was Balaki, but that's no. not. Uh, so, in terms of the clinical presentation, you're going to be having watery diarrhea, which is pretty obvious. It's three or more loose stools in 24 hours. Other key things are going to be lower abdominal pain and cramping, nausea. And, you know, the other one is, unfortunately, just not wanting to eat or drink. That's how a lot of these elderly folks arrive. Mm -hmm. They're just down fluid, not only from the diarrhea, but they don't want to eat or drink. And they become really hypotensive and hypovolemic from this. You're not usually going to be seeing blood. You know, if you see blood, you really should be thinking about something else. Um, Fever also tends to be uncommon in most C. diff cases. Symptoms of C. diff, they can, you know, occur during or after antibiotic therapy, and most usually occur within two weeks of antibiotic therapy. Another important thing is it doesn't have to be in the presence of recent antibiotic use either. You know, we kind of talked about how a lot of these folks can get recurrence as well. In one study, about 30% of patients with community-acquired C. diff had not been exposed to antibiotics. That's pretty substantial. So again, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be in the setting of antibiotic usage. On the test, though, they're almost certainly going to give you that stem with the recent antibiotics. What about your exam, Marlena? So your exam is not going to be the most rewarding abdominal exam, that is. It's really nonspecific. Um, they may just complain of crampy abdominal pain and not have any tenderness if it's severe colitis, you can see some distension, you may have fever, you may have that hypotension that we mentioned earlier. And then if it's fulminant, the patient can be in shock. Right, right. And this is also where it gets into the drum roll again of toxic megacolon. You got it. And one other key lab abnormality, though, can be that leukocytosis that you'll see on labs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these folks can have a really, really marked leukocytosis uh, from C. diff. So that's a key lab value marker that actually might come back before you get your actual C. diff test result back. You know, you see someone with a super high white count, their abdominal exam is somewhat nonspecific, but they're having a lot of, uh, you know, watery diarrhea and um, in the setting of a recent antibiotic use. Right. Right. And just to make the distinction here between severe and fulminant colitis, again, you know, Marlene did a good job saying, okay, it's just going to be worsening symptoms. But for severe colitis, the big thing is elevated creatinine that stands out and a marked leukocytosis that stands out. So greater than 40,000 white cells or or so. These are high numbers. Uh, But really, any significant lab abnormalities suggest an end organ damage of some type, you know, lactic acidosis, uh, fever, that sort of thing, any of those symptoms that come up. So regular C. diff is literally just diarrhea and maybe some cramping. Severe colitis is any lab abnormalities pretty much, plus or minus fever. And then fulminant is they're in shock. Like you're starting levofed on these patients. Uh, and I actually had one of these patients literally, that's why I picked this topic. About a week ago, I had a patient with fulminant colitis. Didn't know it was C. diff colitis. I just suspected it. She was in the hospital recently for uh, antibiotics for some reason. And uh, they were an older person with risk factors, of course. And, and actually, it wasn't even... 
me who suspected the diagnosis, I thought, oh, sick person, I'll cover everything. And then the charge nurse walked in and said, whew, that's C. diff. They always know. <laughs> can always tell by this. And they they all, always and, know. And, and when he said that, the charge nurse, I was like, that sounds realistic. I could buy that. And I thought about C. diff. And I, I'm not kidding you. I probably would not have ever thought of C. diff, like, top of my list, unless for this charge nurse walking in and just without even a, skipping a beat said, oh, it sounds like this person is C. diff. And sure enough, the test came back positive in 24 hours. <laughs> And a side comment, big shout out to Jonathan, the charge nurse that was on that case with me. Big shout out to the nurses at UT Medical Center for all their help. It doesn't smell like teen spirit. It smells like C. diff. Nirvana reference. Yeah, that's a great Nirvana reference. Yeah, and then, of course, after that test came back, um, about 10 different nurses, including and and myself, we showered for about, uh, you know, five hours straight. That's so funny. Hey, just real quick, uh, Blake and Marlena, Nirvana was a band oh, shut that up. was very oh, popular in the early 90s. I know I know both of you were babies at You're the time. You're just a couple years older than it, me. It was, a band, it, it was a band that I was a huge fan of. Uh, they had such hits called <clears throat> Smells Like Teen Spirit and... What else? And that's all you can think of. The other ones. Oh, is your, is your dementia kicking in since you're so old? <laughs> Hey, Marlena. Come as you are. Come as you are was another one. Marlena, why don't you tell us about testing patients for C. diff? Okay. So when we suspect that a patient has a C. diff infection, maybe because the nurse so aptly told you that that's what it smells like, you only send the liquid stool, which your nurses will also probably refuse to send anything other than liquid stool. But the diagnostic test should only be done in people that have really clinically significant diarrhea. So they should have it in your emergency department. The issue with like formed stool is that the presence of the toxin gene doesn't distinguish between infection and asymptomatic carriage, and you don't want to treat asymptomatic carriers. Like we mentioned that like 3% of the healthy population that carries this toxin, you don't want to treat them if they're not having clinically significant diarrhea. And. And that's really important because what you'll see sometimes in your ED are people going to be really worried that they have C. diff or someone will say, I feel like I had an exposure and they'll really want you to test their stool. So again, testing, it's really important to understand when you test and when you don't, especially in the setting of testing as someone who simply is worried about C. diff, but not having any true uh, diarrhea. So another thing you have to think about is looking for megacolon. And um, obviously worldwide, we think of Chagas disease, which we have an excellent rapid bomb on that Ultvac covered. Thank you, thank you. Uh, several months ago. You're welcome, you're welcome. And But megacolon in the United States, especially older adults, we really need to think about Clostridium difficile. Um, this should be suspected in patients with severe systemic toxicity, uh, with especially with radiographic evidence of a large bowel dilation. It says greater than seven centimeters, but really anytime you have dilation of the colon, that's concerning or dilation of the cecum. And you need to be thinking about patients that have, you know, slowing down of their diarrhea, abdominal distension may repair tinnitus on its AM, and they could also have a paralytic ileus, which is also a symptom of fulminant colitis. I mean, that results from loss of colonic muscular tone from the severity of the C. diff infection. And of course, there's complications for megacolon is the bowel perforation, um, and of course, the peritonitis that results from that. And imagine the complications you have to cover then for C. diff and then as well as IV antibiotics, which makes it even 10 times worse because you're covering for other gut flora. It's like jailbreak. So they're all like, we're free. And <laughs> they go into the colon, <laughs> the peritoneum, and it's really bad. So a great way for them to ask you about this on a test would be giving you a patient who maybe had some recent antibiotics, 
or just having a lot of diarrhea, elderly as well, it's almost always in elderly patients, and showing you a plain film that's concerning for uh, toxic uh, megacolon. Toxic megacolon. So really familiarize yourself with some of those plain film KUBs, um, because then that question will ask you, you know, what is the pathology this patient has? Or they'll ask you, what is the best treatment for the underlying pathology? Marlena, why don't you go over non-severe treatment and Iltifat and I will cover the other two. Okay. So for patients with an initial episode of a non-severe C. diff infection, so patients that don't have signs of end organ damage and are not in shock, the treatment regimen is going to include either oral fidaxomycin or oral vanc. Uh, fidaxomycin overvanc is really preferred because there's a small benefit for recurrence rate. The duration of the antibiotic therapy for this non-severe infection is 10 days. So oral treatment for 10 days with fidaxomycin preferred overvanc. Um, patients who have an infection in the setting of another underlying infection and require other antibiotics are really at an increased risk for a recurrent infection. So you want to watch that carefully and give really specific return precautions and warnings about that. In patients who are recovering from C. diff or whose symptoms have resolved, don't get a repeat stool assay during or following treatment because over half of patients are going to have positive stool assays for as long as six weeks after completing the therapy, and you don't want to unnecessarily treat them again. Yeah, one quick thing I need to note here, uh, just for the novice listeners and maybe uh, certain doctors that Iltifat was describing at the beginning of this podcast, um, IV vancomycin does not treat uh, C. diff. Nope. <laughs> yes, that is that's true. And <laughs> speaking of vancomycin, yes. Do you know why it was referred to as Mississippi mud back in the yes, day? Yes, I do. No. T- t- tell me more. It's actually it's really fascinating. interesting. It was how it was, how it was it discovered. Is. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so it was discovered in the 1950s. It's crazy. In this soil uh, from the, like, the jungles of Borneo, uh, which is pretty nuts. And so initially when they would prepare it, it they weren't really able to like purify it the right way and it was brown so they would just call it you know mississippi mud so they you know again run it through an iv but just imagine like this brown liquid like running through an IV. (laughs) and that's why back in the day when folks would have kind of these vancomycin kind of flushing syndrome or you know as they used to refer to it as red man syndrome um, they used to think it was coming from the fact that it really wasn't that purified well, although that, that actually wasn't it. But anyways, uh, Mississippi mud, that's what it used more to you be know. called back in the day. So if you saw, yeah, the more you know, if you saw a brown bag yeah. uh, of, of dirty stuff going through someone's yeah. IV back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, uh, talking about brown stuff going into the patient, not coming out of the patient. There's a huge difference here. So. Well, that's, you know, when we did this topic, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, oh, Mississippi. Can you imagine that? You know, like this yeah. brown thing. Anyway, yeah, not getting in through the IV. But uh, moving on. Hey, so guess what you're going to do to any patient with severe C. diff? They're going to be admitted to the hospital. Remember, these patients are the ones with the elevated creatinine, the leukocytosis, uh, pretty much any end organ sign of damage, any major lab abnormality. For these patients with an initial episode of C. diff infection, we're going to be giving... Again, oral fidoxomycin here over oral vancomycin. And that's, again, the same guidelines that Marlena was talking about for the non-severe infections. Again, 10-day course of treatment. 
Now, what about fulminant? I was just describing how I had a patient the other week with fulminant colitis. Well, here we're giving oral vancomycin, and if you can't give it oral, try nasogastric. And if you can't do an NG tube or they're just not cooperating, you can do rectal vancomycin as well. And you're also going to be giving IV metronidazole. This is the only time you're giving metronidazole or flagyl for treating C. diff colitis. It's in the fulminant cases. And the thought is, is because there may be delayed absorption of the oral vanc from the stomach to the colon due to this, the severe nature of the infection. And so the parenteral metronidazole is preferred. You got anything to add to that, Iltfat? No, I think when it comes to C. diff and key ways you might be asked about this on the test, I think one will be like recognition. Um, two is that knowing it's an anaerobic, gram-positive, toxin-producing bad boy, as we refer to it, uh, that's important as well. Sometimes they like to ask some of those questions. Uh, understanding that if you're going to be asked about this, it's almost certainly going to be in the elderly um, and especially those in long-term facilities or recent hospitalizations, uh, knowing some of the lab abnormalities you might see, especially significant leukocytosis, these folks can present with AKIs as well. As some of the things that Blake mentioned, knowing severe colitis for fulminant versus fulminant colitis and uh, being aware of what toxic megacolon looks like on a plain film. And as always, Support us on our premium podcast, emrapidbombs.supercast.com. You'll see that link in our show notes. That's where we drop three to five minute long episodes that keep you up to date with EM news. We drop them about two to three times a week. And you also get multiple emails a week uh, condensing all that knowledge down for you. It's a pretty awesome way to keep up to date. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again for another episode of EM Board Bombs. We appreciate you listening and bearing with us with these um, with these jokes. <laughs> And uh, we appreciate it. It was better than the warm episode. Marlena, thanks again. I know. It was just a diarrhea episode. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed our shower of knowledge. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. This is terrible. This is terrible. I'll just Happy close holidays, it. Everyone. End it. Bye. End it.